from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Shocking at the same time. Yeah, that this plan worked. Yeah, and our first order was $40, and me, my husband, and son were just jumping around. We just have a lot of space to take the business in different ways than I hadn't anticipated. Like the open houses is not something I anticipated. We have chickens now, which frankly, I don't play an active role in their care. (laughs) I like looking at them, so that's something. Um, Mountains on one side are pond and another the wood. So it's a really fun, idyllic setting. This sounds like bliss. Yeah, it is, I think, honestly. It's really pretty amazing to me that we get to live there. I'm Sarah Fenske. By day, Rachel Burns is an investment consultant, but she's increasingly focused on her side project that's an ice cream company called Bold Spoon Creamery. It's now based on a farm in St. Francis County that's a bit more than an hour's drive south of St. Louis on I-55, and it delivers its pints to 25 locations around the area. And joining us now with the scoop is Rachel Burns. She's the Bold Spoon Creamery founder and an ice cream maker. Rachel, welcome. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So, Rachel, I understand this whole concept started for you with an out-of-control mint plant. Where was this mint plant, and, and what was happening with it? Sure. Well, we used to live in University City and had a small city yard and an even smaller garden. And so instead of planting mint in a pot, as people uh, suggested I should, I planted it in our garden. And surprisingly to me, not to everyone else, it took over. And so we were just looking for things to do with the mint. So my husband was making mojitos, didn't really put a dent in it. We gave it away, it flourished, we ignored it, it did even better. So I started making mint ice cream. And we had a small Cuisinart machine, which probably a lot of people do in their basement that you walk by on the way to doing laundry, Yeah, uh, which I did for like eight years. And then I just decided to start making mint ice cream and did that exclusively for two years. A lot of mint ice cream. Were you, were you guys eating all this yourself? Well, or? we had a tiny pool in the backyard, so we had a lot of summer visitors. So it just became a thing. They would come to visit swim and then have mint ice cream. That I mean, actually, that sounds idyllic. Exactly. And so you might have just been able to stop there. You know, it's not hard to give away mint ice cream, uh, but you didn't stop there. I didn't. And I think the reason is, um, you know, I just saw how much joy it brought people. I mean, they would come over, we'd have a nice afternoon, we would sit around, eat ice cream, everyone was, you know, not on their phone. They were just focused on what we were doing. And it just really was kind of a source of connection, oddly. And then in 2019 became more than a hobby for me. It became an obsession for me. I started really experimenting with different flavors, different cooking methods, different ingredients. Um, So much so that I told my husband, I'm thinking about this way too much just to be a casual hobby, and I'd like to turn it into a business. And was he encouraging of that big idea? Um, Yes, and it ebbed and flowed, of course. And now looking back, I realize I gave him partial information, Um, not intentionally, but you don't know what you don't know, Yeah. right? So I was way off in terms of how much it would cost, even though I did a fair amount of due diligence, I was still off. Yeah. I was off in terms of how much of the time it would take for me 
and him. Um, you but, thought this could just be like a little side project. Yeah, I wasn't per- exactly sure. And keep in mind, like when we were having these discussions, it was pre-pandemic yeah. also. Um, but with my, you know, kind of scant information, half of which I know was now wrong, he still said, yes, let's do it. So he said yes, and you geared up to have this launch, and this timing just stops me in my tracks. Your launch was in March of 2020. Correct. Did you get this in right before everything shut down, or literally, like, the day comes and it's almost too late? Uh, We were just about two weeks in. Um, when we took delivery of our machine. So we started our business using a shared commercial space in the Central West End. And right before, you know, so as I said, about two weeks into the pandemic, our machine arrives. And it was very confusing because I didn't know, you know, is our kitchen even going to be open? What is the situation? But nonetheless, we received the machine. And my business plan initially was to sell exclusively to restaurants, which clearly was not viable in March of 2020 because their future is very uncertain as well. Nobody's placing orders for new products at that point. But I was really excited to get started. So I just made a bunch of it made business cards, made an online store, and just started giving it to my neighbors. So I would put it on their doorstep. And at that point, we were so confused because it's like, can you be six feet away? Do you need to be 50 feet away? Like, what is happening? So I would put it on their doorstep, ring the bell, and then run back out to the street because I didn't (laughs) really know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just say, oh, hi, my name's Rachel. I live around the corner, just started this ice cream business, just wanted to share it with you. And then I started getting online orders, which was clearly the plan, but shocking at the same time. Yeah, that this plan worked. Yeah. And our first order was $40. And me, my husband and son were just jumping around. I mean, clearly $40 is not life changing, but it was just enough evidence that this might actually work. Yeah. So that was super exciting. So we started with online sales. And then I, we were transitioned um, as soon as it opened into the Tower Grove Farmer's Market, which we still sell there every Saturday from uh, 8 to 12.30. And then we were in a couple culinary magazines locally, like Feast, for instance, and Riverfront Times, which then gave us the credibility needed to approach grocery stores. And that's kind of the path that we've been on. And then more recently, we've been circling back to revisit um, adding restaurants to our a list of clients as well. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty remarkable. I mean, this all happened when people were just trying to get their sea legs and your business was taking off. And were you doing this all at this point with mint ice cream? Well, no, we didn't. I mean, that mint ice cream is still in our menu and it's seasonal, so we don't always have it. But no, when we launched, we had, you know, four flavors Uh, which we still have the same ones today. So we have, I mean, now we have much more than that, but the four that we launched with are still part of our menu. And you're doing flavors that are a little bit outside the box. This isn't just chocolate. Right. And honestly, part of the reason was I didn't know how this was going to work. So I just wanted to make flavors I liked. So at the very least, I like to eat it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, no one else did. Um, So yeah, we just like to play around with really imaginative flavor profiles. We use all local Uh, ingredients when we can. So for instance, um, you know, goat cheese and fig is one Mm -hmm. of our staple flavors, has a salted chocolate, uh, brie and spiced honey, um, lemon curd, has the seasons kind of ebb and flow. Then we add in 
additional flavors, um, you know, focusing on fresh fruits and berries. And so you're going with, with what's seasonal, diving in on it. Have you ever had a bad flavor, something you thought might work and it just did not go well? Yeah, you know, the but it's easier to detect now, right, because I have the benefit of some experience. You know, sometimes I will try something. I'm like, oh, no, that didn't work. Or I like it enough that I know I could just stick with it and kind of keep tweaking around the edges. Yeah. So that's kind of, I think, the dream side of what you're doing. We all want to be professional ice cream tasters. Who gets to do the taste testing for Bold Spoon? Well, a lot. Well, it has changed over time. And our name, Bold Spoon, came about because of our tasting group. We had, before we even started our business, has, we were though. Um, in the process of, we had a group of friends that would come over, and I would make probably six ice creams. We'd all be sitting around the table. I would not tell them what it was, but they would have, um, you know, surveys they'd have to fill out. And I can't recall who, but they named themselves the Spoons. And then they said, oh, your flavors are so bold. And then so that was our name. That's perfect. Yeah, it was really fun. And then also my son at the time was in school in Philadelphia, and we would send ice cream to him and survey monkey surveys. And then he would gather his friends together in his dorm room. And they would do taste testings and give feedback as well. So you knew these flavors worked for the college set as well as your neighbors. Right. And then, you know, it evolved over time a bit because we are um, now in Straub's market, so all four of them. And we have two exclusive flavors that we make for them only. They wanted that as, as part of this deal? Correct. Well, yes, because we approached them about carrying our ice cream, just the flavors that we have on our menu, mm-hmm. um, which they do, but then asked if we would be interested in doing flavors exclusively for them, incorporating their Miss Hullings cakes. Oh, so we okay. did. So then that's another kind of tasting group as well. So this is really, I mean, again, this is, there's a lot of fun that goes into being an ice cream maker. It's also super complicated. It's a lot of work that goes into this. And in addition to building this business, you made a big move. You'd been living in University City. You moved to St. Francis County. We did for a number of reasons. I mean, my husband grew up in the country and had been for 10 years wanting to go back. And I thought he would get over it and he didn't. So I needed to start paying attention to that. Uh, But also it came at a time where we were outgrowing our space and needed a bigger space. We needed to add uh, people to help us. And so I said, well, we could move to the country, but we need to find a property that has a building that we could turn into a commercial kitchen. And we found, oddly, exactly that, which is in, um, as you said, St. Francis County. We have 57 acres. And the fun thing about it is that has also opened up a new avenue. So we do have uh, open houses on our farm. So the kitchen isn't open to the public ongoing because it is a commercial kitchen, not a scoop shop. But so many people contacted us about coming out. We just decided to make it a thing. So now on social media, usually it's the day or two before our announce will be open to the public, you know, today, and usually it's Sundays, Sunday afternoons. And then people come out, they bring, you know, chairs, blankets, sit out by the pond and have ice cream. And you're surrounded by on two sides of St. Francis Mountain on 
mountains on one side are pond and another the wood. So it's a really just, fun, idyllic setting. This sounds like bliss. Yeah, it is, I think, honestly. It's really pretty amazing to me that we get to live there, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, and, and you don't, I mean, with being in the countryside now, I know that was something your husband wanted. Mm-hmm. For you, has that been an adjustment? It has. I mean, there's a lot that I miss about the city. For instance, there's so many great neighborhoods and great restaurants that I loved um, that we used to go to all the time on a whim. And now you have to, you know, play on a bit more. Uh, but it's, I love being in the country. I really do. We have chickens now, which frankly, I don't play an active role in their care. <laughs> I don't know that I ever will, to be honest, but chickens. Yeah. I like looking at them. So yeah. that's something. Um, yeah. And we just have a lot of space to take the business in different ways than I hadn't anticipated. Like the open houses is not something I anticipated. On May 22nd, we're having a shrimp and crawfish boil. A group from uh, St. Louis is coming out to do that, and we're hosting it. Um, that requires tickets, which you can get through our site if you go to the events page. Um, but, you know, I hadn't considered that. We're doing a field of sunflowers and wildflowers and pumpkin patches this fall. So it's just it lends itself to different avenues that maybe I didn't even think were possible before. It's amazing the way this is all kind of unfolded and snowballed. And yeah, I I think it's just great to hear and all sort of in these couple of years of pandemic, this has all happened for you. We have a question. Madonna from Crestwood wants to know. She says, I'm walking out the door in about (laughs) 10 minutes to go shopping at Deerberg's. Can I get her ice cream there? If so, what flavor? So are you in Deerberg's? Uh, We're not in Deerberg's. That is something we're pursuing. Hopefully Um, Deerberg's is listening. Yes, exactly. I'll be contacting you later today. But we are, as I said, in all of the Straub's markets. That one probably is, that option is likely the closest to her. Also in Webster Groves, in addition to the Straub's there, the Annex or De Pere Snooks are all fairly close. And for someone trying this for the first time and you want to really show off, this is is the bold spoon experience. Uh, What ice cream would you suggest they start with? Oh, wow. I would say the goat cheese and fig because it is um, really the cornerstone, I think, of our brand uh, because it is, I think, a very unique flavor and our best-selling flavor. Is it really? People are ready for something a little more savory. Yeah. Well, and it is. It's just a smidgen savory, really. Yeah. It's, um, But it is, you know, the goat cheese makes it kind of more cheesecake-like. So it's not maybe as sweet as a typical ice cream would be, but it really takes off. Just one person has it, they tell a person, they tell a person, they tell a person. So yeah. I'd give that one a try. And you had mentioned you have a couple flavors that are unique to Straub's and that you're now circling back with restaurants. Are you finding that they they want to do collaborations, something unique that works for their menu? Or? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. So uh, one of the restaurants, uh, well, Smokehouse Market and Annie Guns, the owners have a farm and they had a ton of blackberries. So we did a special flavor for them uh, using blackberries from their farm. Uh, we're in a restaurant in St. Genevieve, and uh, we they use our, flavor, our normal offerings, but we're going to work with them on making flavors around some of their signature cocktails. And then also we just partnered today, actually, first delivery was to a 
uh, winery in St. Genevieve called Cave Vineyard, and we're doing custom flavors for them using their wines. That sounds so interesting. I mean, do you kind of enjoy that tinkering of they're giving you an inspiration and you've got to figure out how to turn it into a great tasting ice cream? Yeah, I really do enjoy it. And it's a great partnership because they're trusting me with their product to be a good steward of their product. And I'm trusting them to do the same with ours. So it really you know, more of those relationships, I think the more the better. So Rachel, we just have less than a minute left here today, but I have to ask, this has been such growth in just two years. Where do you see Bold Spoon in five years? Sure. You know, I think that we'll continue to grow in terms of our distribution channels within grocery stores. You know, I'd like to make also um, restaurants a growing piece as well. So I think in five years, you know, I'd like to grow into being a regional Um, brand. And then who knows what the farm will bring, too. That's a great way to put it. Who knows what the farm will bring. We'll figure it out as we go. Well, we hope that you'll come back and tell us what this farm brings, because this story has unfolded in so many cool ways already. I love it. Uh, Rachel Burns, thank you so much for joining us My pleasure. Thank you for having me. This episode was produced by Kayla Drake with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.